Thanks for listening to the Toronto Legends Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Applebaum. My guest today is Justin Morrow. Justin had a 12-year Major League Soccer career, playing eight of those seasons and 254 games with your Toronto FC. And yes, Justin was an important part of the Reds' exciting MLS Cup championship win in 2017. Off the field, Justin was named Executive Director of Black Players for Change and led this organization to winning the 2020 MLS Works Humanitarian of the Year Award. Retiring in 2021, let's find out why Justin decided to stay in Toronto post-soccer and what he is up to today. Welcome, Justin, to Toronto Legends. Thank you for joining me. Where are you and how are you? Hey, Andrew. Good morning. I'm doing well this morning. I am in Toronto. I'm doing a little work from home today. Usually I'm up at the training ground, but I've got some things to take care of here at home. So great doing what i can over here um and i'm doing great doing great obviously it was open weekend for mls over the weekend we had the exciting new setup with apple tv and so it was nice to dive into that and see how everything works um toronto fc on the road to dc obviously came up short there uh tough ending to the match but a lot of positive to take out of it and everything else is is you know, firing on all cylinders, academies going, they've got games now. They started this past weekend. Uh, TFC2 is in, in preseason, getting ready to start here soon. So it's it's all stations go. Always lots going on. May I ask what part of Toronto you live in and, and also how your family is doing? Yeah, I'm on the, I'm on the west side near High Park in the Roncesvalles area. Um, moved here in 2018 and, and loved it. You know, very close to school, very close to Ronsi, High Park, the lake, very accessible, you know, getting into the city pretty easily, too. So it's it's nice for families and the family's doing doing great. You know, everyone knows I have two young daughters, seven and four, and, and they're doing great as well. Just, you know, enjoying life on the other side now. <laughs> Fabulous. Well, it keeps you young, Justin. That's for sure. When you get the young kids. Why don't you tell us exactly what you are doing these days uh, in your role with MLSE and, and all other things you're working on? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's quite a lot. First and foremost, been been working on player development with Toronto FC, so helping our young players that make the transition from amateur to professional, go through that experience and go through the ups and downs. Doing a little bit of mentoring, but also a little bit of a in between between the coaching staff, front office staff, and the players. You know, I think. For a lot of these young players, they get signed at young ages and it's kind of just a sink or swim type situation. But as much as from the club side, we can help them out, make sure that they're getting proper attention that they need. Sometimes, you know, that tough love, sometimes arm around the shoulder, whatever it may be at the moment. And just, you know, really tell them that everything that they're going through is is normal because it's the very rare case that teenagers sign first team contracts and all of a sudden they're superstars you know yeah. and so um as as mls clubs in general realize how how important the academies are and you know what a big part of the overall business they are i think these these roles have come more into fashion and a lot of my friends that were veterans in major league soccer that have recently retired have also transitioned into this type of role guys like shay salinas in san jose Drew Moore out in Colorado, Jordan Harvey in LAFC. It's becoming, you know, something that's very common. So um, makes a lot of sense for a guy coming right off the field um, that was just in the locker room with with a lot of these young guys that already has that relationship. But now being able to like, you know, really 
sink my teeth into the academy and understand you know what we're doing with players there and how we can help there has been been pretty cool and then connect it with mls next pro that's the full pipeline there so it's it's been fun and and like i said a little bit a little bit of natural for me and then on top of that i've been doing edi work as well that was something that i was heavy into as a player and now transitioning to the other side being able to manage that relationship between the club and the league and and everything that's happening there has been something that's also been kind of organic because i was you know so heavy into it so continuing to to play that role for tfc as well well it's and fabulous i'm always just around too you know yeah. <laughs> we, well, we had a, an event with the supporters the other night and so i was out there and you know i i just love the club and and everything that it's into and the way that it gives back to the community so i like just being around as well well, it's so meaningful because, as you say, you've been there and done that. And yeah. certainly for the younger players, it's a lot different than someone just telling them something. You lived it. On that note, Justin, let's go all the way back. Get the Justin Morrow story. You are a transplanted Torontonian. Where were you born and raised? <laughs> I was born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, lived there until I went off to college. Great experience. You know, definitely sports time. I think I mentioned this on pretty much any interview I do that asked me about Cleveland. It, w- it is a sports town, and I grew up playing every single sport. Both my parents were collegiate athletes. My dad, a wrestler. My mother, a field hockey player. Um, so I didn't have any choice. I, I was <laughs> into sports from the beginning. <laughs> uh, but it was also like a big bonding experience for my family because my dad would you know, take me to various sporting events around the city, whether it was high school football, high school basketball, wrestling tournaments. And he would teach me about the different things going on, but he would also you know, teach me about life, life lessons. You know, we'd track players in various sports that were doing well, going off to big colleges. And then we track them how they do in college and afterwards and, you know, take life lessons from that. My mom was the one that was always driving me around to, to soccer practices, you know, so soccer mom. Uh, that's how that's how her and I um, bonded, you know, speaking a lot in the car, sitting in traffic, going going far and, you know, in the Midwest, everything, everything's a far drive. So we were hours in the car together Um traveling to tournaments uh, around the Midwest, different states and everything like that. So that's how my mom and I bonded. And it was just a central part of my life. And I, I always talked about playing different sports. Soccer was the one that I stuck with in the end, but I played you know, basketball, American football, roller hockey, <laughs> track and field. I, I ran in high school as well. So I, th- I really think, you know, as an American, that that's um, something that distinguishes us from from international footballers being able to play so many different sports and definitely contributed to my success as a, as a professional athlete. And I had, you know, a great educational experience as well before I went off to college and, and got drafted into MLS in 2010. So uh, big, definitely a formative part of who I am. Well, you had it in your genes, but as you know, Justin, you also had exposure to all these different sports. So you're a true athlete. 2006 graduate of St. Ignatius High School, where you were a high school All-American in Cleveland. And then you played college soccer at the University of Notre Dame for the Fighting Irish. You were a Big East academic all-star in both your sophomore and junior years, as well as team captain in your senior season. How did you choose Notre Dame? It's a, it's a great story because I had you know some other schools after me. Um, Notre Dame didn't offer me a full scholarship. They offered me a partial scholarship. My dad was the first one in his family to to go to university and he went on a full ride full full ride to Ohio University wrestling 
and obviously he reaped the benefits of that coming out and uh, being debt free and and being able to jump into a profession where he really excelled at and, and help his family at. He took major value in that and saw major value in, in having a full ride. But I kind of told him I was like, you know, Notre Dame is is the one for me. It's gonna it's going to take me where I want to go. And, and we had a little bit of battle over that, but in the end. Um, he's like, yeah, that's fine as long as you're paying and I'm not paying. So <laughs> I ended up at Notre Dame. And for me, it was a combination of, you know, kind of being an extension of my high school. I, f- I feel like there was, you know, three or four other student athletes from my high school to go to Notre Dame and play um, American football and other sports. So it felt kind of like a, a natural thing. And, you know, I went to the Catholic prep high school and so going to this Catholic, you know, big Catholic institution and in Notre Dame seemed like a good fit for me on top of the educational piece, which I've always taken very seriously. And so um, that's that's how it ended up for me. Bobby Clark, who's famous Scottish coach, um, played on, on the national team, played with Sir Alex Ferguson, coached together at Aberdeen. He recruited me and he really believed in me. And I think my story, like so many other professional footballers, is built on people who believe on you in, in you, you know. And he was one of the ones that really believed in me and uh, brought me there, and not only taught me about the sport and tactics, but also taught me about life and really grew me as an adult, as he did with a lot of the other young gentlemen there. And so that was the big value that I saw in, in Notre Dame. Not only was I getting a great education. I was going to a school that took sports seriously, you know, had a lot of resources. So we were treated well as, as division one uh, college athletes and also had a coach that had coached at high levels from around the world, really reputable and really a good human being as well. So it was the combination of all of those that really stuck out to me. That's fantastic. You clearly took advantage of the opportunity, Justin. You used your big brain to also get that degree in finance from the Mendoza School of Business at the University of Notre Dame. So you really maxed out on the opportunity. Then moving into pro soccer, you were drafted in the second round, 28th overall in the 2010 MLS Super Draft by the San Jose Earthquakes. What was your draft experience like? Did you have an expectation of what was going to happen? And what was that day like? No, I didn't have any expectations. So I wasn't, I wasn't a starlet coming out of the college. I was a good, I was a good player one of the better players in university at the time, but um, not a name that was on the tip of everybody's tongues. Had the good fortune of being invited to the draft combine and, you know, had a, a show out performance there, which really rose my stock right before the draft. It's it ha- the combine in, in those days happened maybe a week, like there was a week time in between when they happened. And so finished that and my name kind of shot up the draft boards I didn't have, you know, much expectations at all. I didn't, I hadn't been, you know, talking to clubs. I hadn't been like considering Europe or anything like that. I had actually um, been interviewing for for corporate finance roles and investment banking roles um, at Notre Dame because at that point, you know, all my peers were figuring out their futures and, and having it decided. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I should do this too. Um, so it was really the both. And in that way, I was able to, you know, fully enjoy it. Like I said, sports was such a big part of my background. The draft day experience, when you watch NFL, NBA, whatever it may be, is such a memorable thing. You know, guys and gals at home with their families or at the actual draft with their families and the tears and all that. And so 
my dad and I, we drove to Philadelphia together and they had it at the convention center and we were able to to really enjoy and have that traditional draft day experience where it was him and I not really knowing where I was going to go and then waiting, 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 second round, waiting, waiting. And then my name comes up and I gave him a big hug and it just felt like a, a really special moment, something that I still remember very vividly to this day and something that I'll take forever. It was it was a great bonding experience. Went up, gave my little, you know, 30 second speech or whatever it was and, and you know, took some pictures and everything and had had the experience, went out to a nice dinner afterwards with my dad and and that was it. But really, you know, something that I'm very fortunate to have as like that very traditional experience, because I know in our sport, you don't always get that. Well, what an incredible experience. And to share it with your dad, as you say, you'll remember it forever. So Justin, four seasons with the San Jose Earthquakes, you really came into your own. You were an all-star. After the 2013 season, you were traded to Toronto. Let me list the reasons why this would not have thrilled you, Justin Morrow. <laughs> Toronto was a struggling club. They had failed to make the playoffs in each of their first eight seasons in the MLS. You were going to go to not only a different city, but a different city in a different country. You'd be moving from San Jose warm to Toronto cold. And perhaps biggest of all, this all went down literally days before your wedding. Real talk, Justin. How shocked slash unhappy were you to hear that you were being traded to Toronto? Yeah, I've, I've told this story many times, and I think everyone knows that. I was scared. I was scared at first, not for all of the reasons that you mentioned. Like I, I actually enjoy the cold and I grew up in Cleveland, not so far from here. So that wasn't, that wasn't scary at all. I was ready for that. I had been enough in the California sun. I was ready to, to come back to the Midwest, be a little bit closer to my parents <laughs> and knew that they can come and, and watch games and all that, but more for, you know, the, instability around the club like you mentioned just players in and out coaches in and out not really knowing what was going to happen over here but i've had uh fantastic teammates over in san jose that had come from toronto guys like dan gargan and alan gordon sam cronin and nana atsakura who told me you know you're gonna love it in toronto it's it's a fantastic place and so they weren't they weren't wrong <laughs> I, I got over here First got over here in February of 2014, so the coldest time of the year, trying to find <laughs> housing, trying to figure out where we we're going to be, but shortly realized that it's an amazing city. Um, we lived in the beginning before we had kids right in the middle of the entertainment district, so that was that was a fun time. And really, you know, my family has just em embraced it, embraced being over here, embraced Canadian way of living, embraced the differences between the United States and Canada and really grown our family over here. So it's been a, a really great experience. But yeah, like you said, a little bit, a little bit sweaty <laughs> moments in the beginning. A lot going on at once. Well, in the 2016 MLS Cup Final, December 10th, 2016 at BMO Field, you guys came so close. The Seattle Sounders won the championship on penalty kicks following a 0-0 draw. But revenge was sweet. You got back to the MLS Final the very next season. December 9th, 2017, Toronto FC defeated Seattle 2-0 in the MLS Cup Final. Justin, your memories of the championship and the subsequent celebrations. Oh, amazing. Amazing. I think um, it's, it's still hard to encapsulate. And I, I was talking to one of the guys the other day that I still hasn't like really fully sunk in what we've done. You still need that, that time, even though it's been a, a couple of years. But you look at what... 
teams are doing today. Obviously, LAFC was able to, to get the double last year. But to have the success that we did in that year was incredible and really founded on the years that came before it. And I always mention this as well. The 2016 final just left such a bitter taste in all of our mouths. I remember January, February of the next year, 2017, coming into training camp. You could just see how, how much everybody wanted it. And we really had a point to prove. And that's what carried us throughout the season. So, yeah, I don't really know if 2017 happens without you know, the misfortune, I'll say, of, of 2016. And it's just a great story. It's been an important lesson that I take with me in my life that I try and pass down to the young players. This whole idea and concept around failure and what that really means. Some of the greats in, in all sports have spoken about it. Certainly Kobe Bryant is one that we take major lessons from when he talks about failure. It's just this idea like you have more chances ahead of you and until the chances are all gone nothing really counts as failure it's just learnings and so it's hard to really take that on until you experience it and so having experienced that i i can really take that to heart and 2017 was a special moment because of that you know canadian championship uh winning that at home against montreal which i wasn't even in the building for i was with the u.s national team at the time but uh, everyone says that it was one of the most special moments of the year. Even you, you add MLS Cup into that, you add Supporter Shield into that. Even like that moment was so special. Just um, one of the most special nights at, at BMO Field. But really combined all of it, the the trophies, the way that we did it, really special moment. And to be celebrating at the end of it with all of your friends, your family, and of course the supporters was unreal. And you're bonded forever, Justin, with those yeah. guys. Yeah. If you are enjoying this Toronto Legends interview with Justin Morrow, please check out the more than 100 additional episodes available anytime. We got other great athletes, including hurdler Mark McCoy, sprinter Donovan Bailey, World Series champion Rob Butler, and Swedish superstar Anders Hedberg. So many great behind-the-scenes stories directly from the Toronto Legends themselves. All episodes available 24-7-365, wherever you get your podcasts. In 2021, September, Toronto FC announced that you would retire from professional soccer following that season. You played your final match November 7th, 2021 against DC United. You were wearing the captain's armband. You were substituted out in stoppage time to a standing ovation from the crowd. Justin, what were your memories of the final game you played in front of the home crowd? The memories that stick with me are just... The, the incredible amount of support and love I received, you know, I, I never take it for granted. I know that not every player gets to have that, you know. For a lot of players, things are very uncertain in the end. But to one, be coming off the field knowing that I was getting ready to throw myself into something really positive, that my heart was already wrapped around, and two, be receiving love from the club in so many different ways, whether it's from the staff, you know, players, I got messages from players around the league and then certainly messages in my own locker room of what a time it's been together to share the locker room with these guys. And then, like you said, the special bond that we created, um, coaches, and then, of course, the supporters showed me all the love in the world. And so that was <laughs> that was special, as special as, as all the other moments that we talked about. You never like to make it about yourself. You know, our sport is a team sport and it takes so many people to to make something successful, to make a team successful, not only the players on the field, but the support staff around it, the people in the stadium and everything like this. 
but at the end of a career you like to know that it's what you did was acknowledged and it was on that day so that one that one felt really good absolutely it, it, it was that day and it was a lot more you know the supporters since since we made the announcement that i was going to step off the field the supporters were very vociferous and that was that was nice as well well toronto certainly has embraced you justin you played in t- total 254 games this is the second most in club history behind only jonathan osorio are you going to pull a tom brady and unretire justin <laughs> no I, my mind wishes i could and i was speaking about this with Jason Hernandez, who's was also a former player and in the front office with us in Toronto FC. And, and we were just talking about how our minds, we watch and we still think that we can do it, but our bodies tell us otherwise. And that <laughs> becomes apparent very quickly when we get back, back out on the field. You know, I don't know when that will ever go away, but the transition of coming off the field and now being in the front office, still being around it, still being around the guys so much, watching trainings, watching, being at games, watching games, traveling with the teams on certain occasions. Like I still feel so much a part of it and it's the best transition that a player can get. Quite honestly, like I said, there's so much uncertainty uh, for a lot of players where they're going to live. So they have to move their families. How are they going to make money? All of these different things. And Luckily, we've been able to sort all of that stuff out with me, but more importantly, still being around the team is what has been so clutch because had it been another job, you know, another avenue that was open to me, the transition, I think even so would have been harder. So just just being around the guys and being around, quite honestly, the people, like that's what I'm in, enjoying now too because I've been in the locker room and experiencing that. And now I'm in the front room and experiencing the people that, have supported me and now I get to help support them and support the team. So that's, that's been fun as well. The banter that flies in the front office is, yeah. <laughs> is just as fun as the banter that's flying in the locker room. And that's, I think that's probably unique to a sports organization. I think that's probably different than, than working in a bank or working in consulting or, you know, some other corporate job. I think working in a sports organization is dynamic and fun. Not every day is the same. Uh, between everything that we have going on in the MLSE, there's always somewhere to be. There's always something to be doing, and I enjoy that as well. I think the people that know me best know that I'm a you know go 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 person. I got my hands in a million different things, and I'm very giving in that sense. And so that I'm enjoying as well. Fabulous. Are you still playing rec soccer? And should we look for you at our local beer league soccer game, Justin? <laughs> no, you're not going to find me at any beer league. I've been, <laughs> I've been doing everything else, to be honest, doing the stuff that I wasn't able to do as a player. You know, just this past weekend, I was out on the slopes doing some snowboarding, getting my young daughters on the skis so that one day we can go on some, some big trips. And we've, we've done some already. Like we've been to, to Mont Tremblant, we've been to some places in Canada. Uh, but I wasn't able to join them back then. So now I can, now I can do that. And so I've uh, been enjoying that, playing some basketball, doing a little bit of everything else. But, you know, my feet are firmly on the <laughs> soccer pitch during the week when I'm helping these guys out, uh, whether it's academy, second team or first team. So I'm, I'm still getting my fair dose of soccer, that's for sure. Still getting your kicks in. Yeah. Justin, who's the biggest soccer name you ever shared a pitch with? I, I think David Beckham was ahead of your time, but uh, any memories of having uh, significant no, people? No, David wasn't. Um, I played a, against him a lot when I was in San Jose, 
And I was also talking about this with Jason. I was talking about the combinations of players that we played with. You know, him and Landon and Robbie Keaton was, you know, a ferocious trio. But then you add in all of the support players that they had and it was what really made that team special. The competitions that we had against Clint Dempsey and Obafemi Martins really come to mind. And Henri, we played against a lot with Toronto FC and, and New York Red Bulls. And then again, when he was the coach of Montreal. So that was kind of cool to battle against him as players and then him as a coach and see his tactics come to life and how, how he motivates the team and how the team really played for him in a lot of different ways. So that was that was cool. And then you add in the fact that it, he was coaching our rivals. That was that just added to the story, you know. So that was that was fun. Drogba was was a cool one. I remember him playing in Canadian championship games, games that we were winning by a lot and him like out there in the 89th minute, like going hard still and really teaching you about, you know, what it means to be a competitor, what it means to be a winner, because there are other players that came over at that point in their careers and, you know, would miss a lot of games or be like, okay, this tournament is not league. It's not for me, but he was out there no matter what. And he was, he was a ferocious competitor, you know, um, Zlatan, Obviously, that goal that he scored against us at BMO, the karate kick goal, um, was <laughs> was crazy because you know you give him a yard of space and he makes something out of nothing. So that that was one that comes to mind. Um, but honestly, yeah, MLS it's been amazing to be part of the growth of the league, and I'm I always take a lot of pride in that as well. I played my whole career there. Maybe would have had one or two opportunities to go to Europe, but for me. Part of the legacy of, of growing the league is having players that want to be in the league. And for me, to see where it's come from where I started is something that I take a lot of pride in. And now I'm on the other side continuing to grow the league and, and hopefully can get it to where it wants to be. It's said for a long time that it wants to be a top four league in the world. And I hope that we can get there one day because I'm, I'm prideful of what we have over here in North America. And I think it does deserve to be on that platform. Absolutely. Now, let's give a shout out to Joe Jackman and One for All. What is your role at the One for All organization, Justin? Yeah, I've, I've helped them and I met Joe through Stephen Caldwell, who's also been a part of it. And I think what they're doing is special because it's helping players through the transition. And so as I was, I was going through my transition, maybe a year before it became official and I was thinking about it because I was doing a lot of work with Black Players for Change, doing a lot of work with the league. I had felt that, okay, mentally, this is mentally and, you know, heart wise, this is, this is where I am. I'm more here than I am on the field, my spirit. And so Stephen hooked me up with Joe and, and one for all. And we went through the coaching series of like, okay, who are you as a person and what can you give off the field? And I think that's what's so special about it. I think a lot of other platforms, they try and just plug you into different places. Like, oh, we have opportunity here. We have opportunity here connections and whatnot but joe and his team that one for all are really able to dive into like who you are as a person the things that you feel are special that you can give off the field combined with feedback from all of your closest friends and everything like that and really point you in the right direction and so we were able to to do that and now they're they're doing that for lots of athletes not only in major league soccer but in other professional sports leagues in north america as well so yeah, that's, that's been a fun experience. Well, Justin, you've obviously dominated your transition from player 
to retiree. <laughs> and uh, I want to thank you for your time today. And I want to wish you continued success going forward. All right. Thanks, Andrew. And to the listeners, we thank you for listening to this episode of the Toronto Legends podcast. And on behalf of Justin Morrow, I am Andrew Applebaum saying mahalo. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.